0: Hello! Greetings. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you're doing well. We're glad for your interest in spiritual matters. My name is Ethan Longhenry and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're Disciples Making Disciples in the west side of Los Angeles. Today we'd like to explore Jesus' parables. A lot of times people talk about parables in terms of Jesus' instruction because it's a major element of the way that he taught the people. In fact, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it's the main way that Jesus teaches the people and there's a lot of importance placed upon them. So what is a parable? parable comes from Greek word paraboli, to put near or to compare. And so Webster defines parable as a comparison or a similitude in which one thing is compared with another, especially spiritual things with natural, by which means these spiritual things are better understood and make a deeper impression on the attentive mind. A shorter way of saying that is that a parable is a true-to-life story that presents spiritual truths. Now why would Jesus use parables? Well, in, in Mark chapter 4, and also Matthew 13, he explains why he uh, describes things in parables. He says um, that, "...the secret to you, to the disciples, it has been given, the secret of the kingdom of God. But to those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and they may indeed hear but not understand, and they, lest they should turn and be forgiven." And so these are stories that are told that are compelling. You can walk away and think about them, but they're full of spiritual implications. And so if you're not spiritually minded at all, it doesn't really give you a whole lot to to, to hold on to. It's hard to condemn somebody for teaching about vineyards or or seeds or things of that nature. Um, And so it was a way that Jesus could explain things to the people in ways that they will at least recognize that he's teaching them and maybe learn something from it. But it provides the disciples with extra information. It really helps the disciples come to a better understanding of things, as is true for all of us, to this way. And in fact, it's a very catchy way of teaching. Uh, it's demonstrated that stories provide far greater staying power and provide much better attention in our memory than just simple statements. Uh, if you can describe something in terms of a fable or in terms of a some kind of memorable story people will remember that, and people will be able to hold on to that much better than just the message. A lot of times, uh, the story is better remembered than the the moral or the reasoning behind the story itself. And the stories are also things familiar to the people in their context. It also probably shouldn't be forgotten that in Matthew thirteen thirty four and 35, uh, it's mentioned that Jesus is telling parables to fulfill prophecy in Psalm 78, eight two that he would, in fact, do this very thing. So let's consider some of the parables a lot of the parables use agricultural images the most famous of course the parable of the sower in mark chapter 4 listen a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately sprang up since it had no depth of soil And when the sun rose it was scorched, and since it had no root it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, so growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. This parable is even explained. To us uh, later on, where it's the way that people respond to the gospel. Some people hear it uh, if it's on the road, like the, the birds eat it immediately. Satan takes the seed away. Uh, those who have rocky ground, uh, they they seem to grow quickly, but there's no depth of soil, and so the sun scorches. When persecution comes, they go away. Uh, weeds and uh, thorns and things choke out the word. Uh, the cares of the world choke out the word, and. Um, the good soil are those who hear and produce, 30-fold, 60-fold, uh, even up to 100-fold. And so that's the way that parable works. Uh, Jesus is talking about seeds and where they go, and the uh, responses is really talking about uh, responses to the hearing of the gospel message. The parable of the wheat and tares is also given, and it talks about how there will be the sinners, the tares or the weeds, in the midst of the righteous, and how they will be separated out on the last day. A very famous one is the parable of the mustard seed. These are also in Mark 13, Matthew 13, Mark 4. Uh, and This one's also in Luke 13. Mustard seed is the smallest of seeds, but it grows into a very great plant. And so faith is to be as a mustard seed. It starts small, but it will grow uh, and take strength. Likewise, the kingdom starts small, grows big. In Mark 4, 26-28, there's a specific parable about seed growth in which it describes how God provides an increase. Matthew 13, 44, there's a parable of the treasure in the field. A man digs up the treasure in the field, sells all that he has to buy that field so he is able to get the treasure. Talking about the great value of the kingdom. Um, Luke 13, 6 through 9, there's a very interesting and almost funny parable of a tree that didn't provide fruit. And the owner was going to cut it down, but the person keeping the, uh, the the garden wanted to have a year to put some manure around it to see if it would grow and then it would cut down talking about how we need to encourage those who are weak or unfruitful there's a parable of the vineyard and workers in matthew chapter 20 where even though some worked one hour and some worked twelve, they all received the same amount of money one denarius talking about our inheritance we will receive in the kingdom uh, Even though it talks about two sons, the parable of two sons in Matthew 21, 28-32 is involving whether they're going to go out and work in the fields. One says he will and doesn't, one says he won't and then goes and does it, and talks about the value of that repentance over uh, disobedience. And the big one, of course, is the parable of the vineyard. Matthew 21, Mark 12, and Luke 20 provide in three places because Jesus utters it before the religious authorities. He's really using Isaiah's image of the vineyard in Isaiah chapter 5, and he updates it with the idea that the, the servants have been killed by the tenants and they're going to kill the son, uh, and that therefore the t- the master is going to come back and dispossess the tenants and give the vineyard to others uh which of course is a figure for what has happened when it comes to the covenant people of god there's a parable of the lesson of the fig tree uh different than the fig tree itself the idea that it when it when the fruit is there you know when the, the, the different way it looks that. The time is coming for fruit, and so it is with the times of the destruction of Jerusalem and the return of Jesus in Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. And so there's a lot of agricultural images and parables. We also have some parables using household images. Uh, in Luke 5, 36, 39, we may not consider it much of a parable, but it's called a parable. The idea that uh, you don't put an old patch on a new garment and you don't put a new one in old wineskins. Because uh, they're going to not work together. They're going to burst And talking about the need for covenant change. You can't just impose the new on the old or the old on the new. There's a woman and leaven. She puts a little bit of leaven in a piece, some into bread, dough, and it rises. And that talks about the growth of the kingdom, Matthew 13 and Luke 13. There's a parable of the lost coin. The woman who goes around trying to find the coin she lost, even though she has nine coins. And talking about the value of the repentance of one soul. A lot of household images as well. There are a lot of parables involving feasts. The parable of the feast in Luke 14, 7 through eleven, that you're not supposed to go sit at the front uh, and be brought down, you need to be gone to the bottom and then be brought higher, talking about the need for humility. Wedding feast will continue in that same vein in Luke fourteen, that uh, even though many will not come who do not come to the, the, the feast will not be able to enjoy it, many who originally were not invited will be invited in uh, those among the Gentiles, those among the dispossessed. And the parable of the virgins, even in Matthew 25, it's about uh, meeting a bridegroom in at the wedding feast. And the idea that if you aren't ready and you don't have enough oil, then when the bridegroom comes in, that you will not enter with him. It's a lot of life situation parables and extended parables as well. Uh, very famous parables in Matthew 18 about the unforgiving servant where we learn about the need to forgive others. In uh, Luke 6:39, uh, Jesus talks about the blind leading the blind and the folly of that kind of judgment. In Luke 7, Jesus will turn to the Pharisee and talk about the parable of the debtors, the one who has been forgiven more will be more thankful. People are very familiar with the parable of the good Samaritan, Luke 10:25-37, showing that those who we come across that are in need, they are a neighbor and the neighbor is the one who, who actually shows mercy to people. The parable of the rich fool. In Luke 12, 16-21, the guy who wants to tear down all of his barns and make bigger ones, and yet his souls require him of that night, the folly and vanity of riches. Uh, there's parables about servants in Luke 12 and Matthew 24, that uh, the, the servant who thinks his master is delayed and, and abuses his power will be very severely judged, and the one who is found to be keeping all things faithfully when the master returns will receive commendation. The parable of the prodigal son. Or is it the parable of the older brother in Luke 15? Talking about the need for both repentance and humility. A very strange one is in Luke 16, 1 through 9 the parable of the dishonest manager. The idea that this guy uh, makes friends by cutting deals and uh, that he is commended for that. Uh, and, and and therefore to be skillful, although not immoral in our dealings. In Luke 16:19 through 30 with the story of the rich man and Lazarus, a lot of suggestions are that it is a parable and the importance of listening to God and those who have spoken uh, his words uh, while they have for the opportunity. There's a parable of the persistent widow in Luke 18, kind of a funny story, where there's a judge who's unrighteous and doesn't really care much for justice, but there's this widow who won't stop annoying him. And so he finally gives this widow justice because just to stop her from being annoying. And that's to explain the reason we should persist in prayer. We got the Pharisee and the tax collector later on in that chapter. One of them prays to God, boasting about all these things uh, that he isn't, and all that he does. And the guy who just beats his breast, the tax collector, and, and asks for forgiveness, that he walks away justified, and not the Pharisee. There is a parable of the talents and the minas in Matthew 25 or Luke 19, and the importance of working according to ability illustrated there. And there's some other parables, the parable of the pearl of great price, like the parable of the treasure in the field, that you can sell all you have to buy that thing, that talk about the great value of the kingdom. The dragnet, the end of Matthew 13, that the righteous and the wicked will be sorted out like you sort out good fish and bad fish. The parable of lost sheep, like the parable of lost coin. In Matthew 18 and Luke 15, the value of one's soul to God. And there are other narratives that we could maybe look at as parables, and some of the ones we've mentioned, some might not consider to be Parables. But these are a lot of the parables that Jesus gives. And they're used, as we can see, to describe a lot of things. The way things work right now. Like the the vineyard is, or the Good Samaritan. Uh, Looking at things specifically directed to Israelites to understand uh, what God had revealed to them, and also to tell them what God is doing in Jesus. There's some instruction and prayer given, like the parable of the persistent widow, and forgiveness, like the one of the unforgiving servant, and other doctrines and practices that are best illustrated and exemplified in parables. There's ways that we learn how to promote the gospel, like the parable of the sower we read, preparation for the return of Jesus, in Matthew 25 especially with the parable of the virgins and the talents, and things of that nature. It's very important for us to remember that the focus of the parables are not on the situation itself, but on the spiritual truth underneath. A lot of times, we, people get hung up with, "Did this parable actually happen or not?" And that's to really miss the point of it. They're they're true to life stories. You can imagine it happening. Uh, for instance, the parable of the soil that we read—it's a really bad agricultural practice. To just randomly throw seeds everywhere. If you're throwing seeds on on a road, you're, those are those are going to be lost. It's much better to be more efficient with them. Uh, to 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 find the best soil to begin with. But of course, in the illustration, the whole idea is that you can't know that automatically. And so that's why the guy is scattering the seed, because the way the gospel gets preached and the way that you scatter seed is normally a little different. But we can understand the image, and that's the point. The concern is not about agricultural practices. It's about the spiritual message underneath. We should not literalize parables. We should not try to draw applications from the literal language, but we need to let that language use illustrate the spiritual truths that Jesus intends to convey by the parable. Of all things, the parable shows Jesus' mastery of instruction. Of all the ways that Jesus teaches, the parable is the one that is the most easily remembered. It's immediately accessible to all kinds of people whether they have a lot of education or not very educated at all whether they're extremely smart or maybe they're not as well gifted in that faculty whether they're rich or they're poor these are things anybody can understand and beyond that they're very profound in their depth and how ap- applicable they are uh, we can study and meditate on these parables and there's some new insights that come out of them and again. Like the parable of the prodigal son. Is it really about the prodigal son? Is it about the older brother? And you can, you can have that conversation properly because of how well crafted that story is and how well we can understand and see the situation as described and, and be able to find parallels. And there have been times, and th- at other times, we will be able to have lessons on each individual parable. There's enough in each individual parable to be able to really expand, expand and extrapolate to understand a lot of important spiritual truths through them. And so we should have a lot of appreciation for this way that Jesus has instructed us. So Jesus' parables provide a wealth of spiritual insight. They're simple, but they're profound. They're a very important means by which Jesus communicates the gospel of the kingdom. And therefore we do well to value the parables for what they're providing us. They're stories that we can understand that provide a means by which we can come to a better understanding of spiritual realities. They give us guidance how we can serve God, how we can promote the gospel, how to conduct ourselves. And this is very important. And therefore, we do well to appreciate Jesus' parables and to apply their lessons to our lives. Thank you for, for joining us. We hope that you've been benefited and encouraged by this. If you'd like to explore some of the lessons we've had about various parables, maybe you'd like to learn more about the way Jesus instructs, about the gospel, other things, we encourage you to consider other discussions uh, on org or various articles or other forms of uh, spiritual uh, encouragement that are present there. We're also on social media. We'd encourage you to check us out online. It's also to learn more about us. if you'd like to come visit us. Uh, If you'd like to contact me personally, you can do so at my website, DeVerboVitae.com, www.DeVerboVitae.com. We again thank you. Have a great day.